Hello and welcome. I would like to uh, introduce Sarah. And if you'd just like to give me a quick introduction yourself of who you are and um, what you're doing. Sure. Um, my name is Sarah Lind. I'm an actress. I'm currently in A Wounded Fawn, which just came out uh, on Shutter on December 1st. Terrific. And I think uh, you're being very humble here. <laughs> you did a great job. You're the lead uh, lead actress in A Wounded Fawn, which is a terrific film. And that's what I, I mean, you know, you know the story. I, I flew to New York just, just to see the film because I was that excited. Um, <laughs> and it, it totally exceeded my expectations. So I would just, you know, really like to pick your brain about, um, you know, obviously how you, you know, got into the role as an actor, you know, what it was like uh, doing this role in filming, uh, you know, basically anything you would like to talk about. Cool. Okay. Um, well, Travis brought me the script when, uh, after he'd done his rewrite on it, mm -hmm. Nathan, and uh, I read it and, and just like really felt that I understood Meredith and mm -hmm. um, had a lot that I wanted to give her, if that makes sense. Um, the 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 visuals and the sort of like general madness of the movie was really really clear in the script too um oh, awesome. what, you, what you see on the screen was in the script so um that was very exciting and i guess like among the many things that really excited me about it was um meredith isn't a, a naive like she she's been through her trials this is sort of like she's learned this great lesson and is now kind of putting it to use or putting it to, to the test not mm -hmm. of course but that's what ends up happening and I found that really interesting and it's un, it's unusual because it's not exactly the most like dramatic usually someone learns something for the first time in, mm -hmm. in character right and so this arc was unusual and um i it can be it can be sort of especially as like a woman in a horror movie who's being terrorized or or tortured or tormented in some way which is frequently the, the, the case for women in horror right um exactly <laughs> it can <laughs> be like I don't, I don't, I, I'm not, I'm not trying to like confess anything, or like, I'm certainly not trying to throw anyone under the bus. But like, it's, it's, it can be very easy to just run and scream. Yes, like, that, that's sort of all that's required, and or that's like you know the 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 bar you have to clear, which is quite low, and it's it, it can be a real challenge to try to like structure an arc through through just sort of like escalating terror, you know, apart from. Mm -hmm scream louder or whatever um so i was excited about um charting um about building her sense of impending danger um mm -hmm. but not not her, her not like missing the cues along the way but noticing mm. them taking stock evaluating them and deciding for for i think good reason for plausible reasons 
to continue on, you know, for her to decide, yes, I'm going to go on. And mm -hmm. then eventually she's like, I'm, I'm like out to sea here and this is no good. Um, yeah, I like, I, I, I really found that very unusual, really, for, for, a, for a character, especially in a horror movie. Yeah, in serial killer films, I mean, generally there seems to be like two types, well, maybe three types of women. They're like the witnesses, like the family members who they go and they talk to and then they cry and, you know, in like the police procedural type of um, serial killer movies. And then there are the victims who do that. They run, they scream, they die. Yeah. Sometimes they get tortured. Yeah. Um, and then there's like usually either the the lead like investigator fe fe investigative female you know like the Clarice, Clarice um from Silence of the Lambs or maybe just that that as they term it and I don't know how I feel about the uh, the term final girl I know it's really popular but basically I I, yeah, I would just say the lead female role um it's usually that's also what happens because she's usually thrown into that um the jeopardy and she finds out oh no this person means me harm and then suddenly like the running and the screaming starts in general i mean it's really very it, it's it's a formula at this point particularly with slashers and um i don't think a wounded fawn falls under the category of like like total true like slasher type thing although it does have giallo some giallo stylistic elements which were great but that that's kind of exactly what I saw with Meredith the whole way through is that she was noticing the the little cues that he was giving off. But as a reasonable person, you know, and I think if anything, her the only miscalculation that she made is that she didn't allow for the fact that she could be with someone who was totally unreasonable. If right. that makes sense. Yeah, which is a reasonable mistake to make. <laughs> it know? is because the, there's a there's a saying it's from Kinky Friedman. Um, he said no one ever knows what who Tex Watson is until he presents his card. And by then it's usually too late. And I've always kind of thought about that because people don't you know, they watch serial killer movies, they watch slashers and they don't think that like it would happen in real life they're like oh that's not no that's not realistic yes actually it is because that's what happens yeah and I think that you know there's a with especially with your character Meredith there's a really like realistic grounding in that with like the her speaking with her psychiatrist and like getting you know support from her friends and also help from her friends yeah you know I don't want to give too many spoilers but it's you know it's a your characters it has a very realistic grounding which I think is very important because of all of the fantasy elements that come in later because you have that very strong ground of like okay realistic you can re totally relate to Meredith and why she's doing this because yeah. we all have yeah. and um it, it, that I think that's kind of why you know the film, but also your performance works so well because you did that work, no. in my opinion. Well, I really appreciate that. Thanks. It it was important to me to 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 give her as much of that as possible, and and yeah, I'm I'm, I'm happy with it. But um, 
yeah it, uh, oh shoot I, I forgot the thing I was gonna say oh I'm sorry <laughs> uh, no I'll come back yeah I'll come back so um I was wondering you said that there were certain things that you you felt that you as a person could give to Meredith do you want to like maybe you know go into that a little bit um, yeah, sure. I mean, I, I think a lot of it, I, I just, I, is what I already said. Um, just those I ideas of what it looks like and means to me to be, to have like learned some things and to be trying to take stock of things and take risks, you know, and, um, to sort of lend my, I don't know, strength to her, but, you know, I, through through the years of my own therapy it was like oh cool this is what I'd like for her to do this is what would help her succeed uh, mm -hmm. through this and um and, and I think part of it is that like I think she's a she's a great hero like uh in 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 she doesn't compromise herself um mm -hmm. not that necessarily if she had killed Bruce that that would have been by any means wrong <laughs> like not yeah really. not really <laughs> but she didn't do that and she didn't feel that she had to do that and 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 of course like you know th th there's no black or white with like or at least narratively like is revenge good a good thing or a bad thing or whatever it's like it's it's, it's complicated but you know something that, that strikes me sometimes is like uh and maybe because i'm usually like what would i do in that situation or as that person and i would hope that i would not sort of become the monster to defeat the monster to to put it in, in sort of one simple way and but meredith doesn't do that and that's that's in the the script and i just was like that's really exciting but she's just like, no, like I'm, I'm good here. <laughs> I know that like, like I'm cut and I'm all messed up, but like, I'm not wrong here. You're wrong. <laughs> and mm -hmm. I think it's, it's a really, with, with someone manipulative like that, it can be really, really hard to, to remember that like, this is that this isn't me like not to sort of take on the the, the crazy making that they throw at you mm -hmm. and I guess that, that's like yeah the, 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 those are some of the things I wanted to give her that was probably kind of rambly but yeah. no no I mean I think you're making the point that um when someone who is that manipulative or who may literally have some type of mental issue that's causing you know them to do that to you um you as a good person you want to try and like work with them and it's it's very easy for th th those type of things to gaslight for them to gaslight you because you're emotionally involved usually yeah. and it's very scary because you you end up questioning yourself rather than questioning them because you are a good person and you're not manipulative yeah it, it's that's the that's the lever they have against you. Like it's it's really like, oh man, you're taking like this really good part of people and you're going to use it against them. Like, man, what a what a trip, you know? Yeah, it's really kind of diabolical. It truly is. It truly yeah. is. Like, 
Um, I think that at the same time, while she's not just like reacting blindly, um, mm -hmm. she's also like no, no mercy in the sense that like, I'm not gonna let you off the hook, no matter how much you scream or kick your, or, you know, destroy yourself. Like, that's your problem. I'm not going to budge here. Like, there's no, there, no, no mercy is like not quite the right term, but just like no compromise on you taking accountability. Mm -hmm. you know? And I think that's really badass. And it's not, I think sometimes you don't always see the two things at once that like, yeah. Well, I think while also being like uh, quite, um, what would be the word for it? Uh, I don't know, good guy. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, what I think is like in, in Western culture, um, there's kind of like a, an idea that to, for there to be justice or for there to, you know, for you to like, really put an end to something you have to like commit violence yeah it, it's really like kind of like problems are solved with violence yeah. in our society really it, i mean it's the truth like you know someone makes you mad you know punch them <laughs> you know that type of thing it, that kind of like tit for tat violence um and it, you know it's it takes in my opinion someone who's very sure of themselves and very emotionally secure to be able to say, put their hand out and say, okay, no, mm -hmm. no, your emotional appeals aren't gonna work. Your, um, God, what psychological blackmail isn't gonna work. I'm here, I know what's going on. That, and that's really, I think the strength of Meredith and uh, kind of the proof of her therapy being, yeah working that she's able to like she has that resistance to all of those emotional and psychological gambits that he's throwing at her right up until the point where he's doing what he does he, again no spoilers um you know that's kind of the ultimate you know um that type of like hurting yourself that's kind of the ultimate emotional psychological blackmail that some people like him will will try to use and it, you know it, it's really hard to resist of course of course it is like yeah and who 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 plays that card wouldn't understand that like it's um hard enough I've, I've been doing some some babysitting recently the friends the friends have started having kids now and uh when when like a little kid starts having a like it, it, it's really hard when someone starts like really pulling out all the stops and I'm talking about a kid not a yeah of course but like um it's really hard not to just be like whoa man I, okay I'm sorry like let me just give you the, the thing or, or whatever and let me make it better you make it better yeah mm -hmm. make it easier on both of us like look at how you're suffering because you're not getting this ice cream or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I'm like look as an adult like I understand what it's like to not get what you want but also like that's just how it, how it is um yeah 
Yeah. So what was it like with uh, filming? I mean, you guys, like, I, I assume you did like a lot of night shoots and, um, you know, there's a lot of costumes and like some masking. Uh, talk, a, if you'd like to talk a little bit about that. Um, the, I think we ended up, it was supposed to be 30 days and we ended up doing 28 days. And mm -hmm. I think about 25 of those days were consecutive night shoots, like, sundown sun to sun up um which in a way not in a way it's it, it in a lot of ways it's much easier than when you flip flop back and forth which is typically how how it's been done in my experience um you know on thursday middle of the week you start transitioning to nights and then your weekend is completely shot yeah <laughs> at 4 a.m on monday or whatever but yeah, it was nice to have that consistency. And then you start to, we all started to just sort of like get used to it. Mm -hmm. um, we were shooting in Princeton, New Jersey for the most part, um, which was funny because most things were sort of closed. <laughs> <laughs> Nine o'clock. <laughs> um, we didn't do a lot of takes. We didn't do um, much like onset rehearsing. It was pretty, I think we were going into it at least as cast with Travis, pretty clear what we were doing and like what, you know, all on the same page. And then we kind of do, you know, the usual like two or three takes at most, you know. Wow. Um, yeah. Um, the costumes were and always are fun. Although I don't love being in blood typically. Uh, mm -hmm. so sticky and like cold <laughs> like, so it's so uncomfortable but um I wasn't in blood for that much blood for that long Josh was in more of it than I was but <laughs> <laughs> the um uh Ashley who made the blood uh because we Travis wanted that giallo feel especially with the blood that like mm -hmm. red temperate paint blood it's I mean, yeah it largely tempera paint like it, it it smelled like it it had a real like preschool smell it's sort of weird. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so it did that like you know caro syrup mega glycerin feel to it uh, yeah fun it would just sort of dry and stain you instead of like you know trying to pick like the hairs the the errant hairs off your, your face. <laughs> off your face yeah you just can't find <laughs> so sticky <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then um uh eric's costumes he is such a talent that i mean i don't know if you've um seen any of the like art installations or his art projects that he's done he typically works with costumes though mm -hmm. have you have you uh checked him out on instagram at all i have i follow him so i've been like kind of like checking out i really need to like just like graph out a, some time to like really go through it but uh, yeah it's all really interesting so far it's he's so talented and he makes it by hand like he made the fabrics mostly by hand he hand felted Tisiphone's costume he uh, a large part of it was made of kombucha leather which he grew himself oh my gosh wow <laughs> he really like above and beyond it doesn't even cover it um but that kombucha 
leather smells. (laughs) So like, it isn't necessarily a bad smell, but it's like a vinegary kombucha-y kind of smell. And so it's kind of constant. (laughs) And it sort of becomes a nice, like, um, I don't know, touch point. Like here we are. Okay. It's fury time, you know? Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, that's one of the things I think that like, um, I've been around people talking about like smell and its place in memory. And I think that like, you know, part of like with acting is, um, you know, like people like, why do actors rehearse or why do they, you know, you take classes and train and do all this stuff? You know, it's kind of like you're building up like the psychological and emotional muscle tone while you're doing that so that when it's time, you know, boom, you're on stage or you're in front of a camera, you can just turn it on because it's like muscle memory, I think. Yeah. So do you think that maybe it um, like the smell of the kombucha leather kind of puts you in that that space after a while? I think so. I mean, I'd love to smell it again a few years down the road and just be transported back to that like basement of that of that house in Princeton (laughs) (laughs) that would be fun yeah oh my god no to see where you are like in a few years and then have you go back to that yeah yeah there are actually um uh some perfumes that I've bought just so that I can remember the time when I used to wear them Um, oh wow yeah yeah that's awesome. Well, I mean, and like, I, I think like a lot in general, people don't understand like what the craft of acting like is and like all the things that it like entails, because I think most of the time people think of it as it's looking hot and, <laughs> and like, um, I don't know, being like a model, but it, which is part of it, it, it really is. But a lot, but the actual craft has to do with memory and emotional availability and, and physicality as well. Yeah. So um, I I think it's very interesting that you, you you have perfumes sense as a reminder of like certain points in your life. I think um, that's something that like, you have kind of like an emotional memory going on there that I don't know if it came out of your craft or if it's just something that you do personally. Um, It's more something I do personally. I I was uh, studying perfume for for a while, hobby, hobby, the hobby version of that. But um, yeah, I I, I was really into the fragrance. Yeah. So, but yeah, people, people don't really understand acting and and like how could they it's so hard to like explain how it happens and how an actor does what they do I don't know how to articulate how exactly I do what I do or get to where I get to it's different all the time it seems and it's not necessarily anything like how another actor works and so and 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 talking about it is weird it's weird like um similar to the world of fragrance we we don't even have a language for that really like so trying to get someone to talk about like what does that what does grass smell like you have to resort to um using other things shapes or colors or or metaphors but you know we can't just be like well it smells like 
Um, and, and acting is just very hard to talk about too. And it sounds kind of, kind of cringy a lot of the time. Like when you're <laughs> talking about like, I don't know, parts of it, you know, it's, it's, it can be embarrassing. But then there's also like such a like myth around it of, mm -hmm. of did you did you really cut your hand and it's like that's not that like did you you know losing all the weight or putting on the weight or or uh these physical transformations or the like what i think is you know the, the understanding of like method acting which is like not not what it is really and it's but it's this like enduring myth and i i don't know i mean how how could anyone understand what actors do when we when we're so weird when we talk about it <laughs> yeah well i think there's there's really like because it's something like it's a kind of a thread i've been chasing through like the interviews like the for lack of a better word like the magic what i interrupted you <laughs> or did we cover it oh um i think i did yeah 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 okay cool cool yeah. just wanted to make sure i'm gonna hit the unrecord button okay cool